Hey friends, it's so good to be in worship with all of you today. We are in our very last week of the series, Reflecting the Image of God. And this is the, in many ways, kind of the culminating week of this series, where we are talking about how God desires the image of God to be restored in us. And we'll be looking at an image of what that restoration looks like. As Owen mentioned a couple weeks ago, I have been granted the small task of preaching from the book of Revelation, which somehow seems to always happen to me. So just a fair warning that today's uh, topic is going to cover from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, to Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. So no small thing. But if I am kind of honest with myself, Genesis 1 and 2, as well as Revelation chapter 21 and 22, might be some of my favorite pairings of scripture throughout the entire Bible. So it is just super cool. It's all connected. I'm really excited about the content for this morning. I know it's going to be a little bit of a lot, but hopefully you can bear with me. We see in the image in Revelation chapter 21, an image of God's ultimate desire for us, a desire for us to live into who we've been called and created to be as people that are made in the image of God. To understand this image more, We can go back to the very beginning, as I said a moment ago, back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, our creation story. In this story, we learn that we have been created in the image of God, and in our creation, we find our calling. We talked about that, I think, the second, maybe third week of the series. And in that, our calling is to bear the image of God in the world and to be in partnership with God and the redemption of the world. No small thing. Uh, We are to be living a life that is patterned after Jesus, where we are clothed in Christ, as we talked about two weeks ago, where we are living a life that is infused with the Holy Spirit, as we talked about last week. And the problem that we see, though, throughout all of Scripture is that our relationship with God is fractured, and therefore, the image of God that we were created to embody needs to be restored once again. Jesus shows us the way for us to live in union with God once again uh, throughout the entirety of his ministry. Jesus is talking about this kingdom of God that he's ushering in, a kingdom where all that God has desired for us since the very beginning can finally come to fruition. And there's this moment that was originally not at all kind of in my plans for a scripture for us to look at today. But it's a moment that has really stood out to me that kind of informs where we are headed as we look at Revelation chapter 21. And it is when Jesus is on the cross and there's a bandit next to him that asks Jesus, like, please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And um, Jesus responds using a really specific image, um, which I think at first kind of first glance of hearing it, you're like, this has nothing to do with kind of restoring the image of God. But just hang with me for a second. We'll we'll get there. Uh, Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And this paradise that Jesus is talking about is a word that actually means Eden. It points back to the very beginning, to Genesis, to the garden. And so when Jesus is saying, today you'll be with me in paradise, he is pointing all the way back to the very first pages of scriptures saying, you will be with me in Eden. But this Eden that Jesus is pointing to is not simply a garden. It is a garden inside of a city. 
God is saying you'll be with me in this garden once again, but this garden isn't simply a return to what was, but it's something that is. It's a co-laboring or a collaboration uh, between God and us. It's a city in the midst of the garden. And we're going to read more about that in just a few moments in Revelation chapter 21. Um, and you might be wondering, like, gosh, I hope just got real passionate about this moment. And I don't really understand what's happening and why there's some beauty that is wrapped up here. And I think what's going on here is that the image that we are about to look at in Revelation chapter 21 is God not simply taking us back in time and kind of rewinding the world back to God's original intention. But we see um, in this image, it takes into account the entirety of the world and God's co-laboring with us throughout time such that the image that... Jesus is pointing to when he says, today you'll be with me in, in paradise or in Eden, is kind of talking about an image that is of the restoration of the world because we see that it is not simply a garden, it's a garden in the midst of the city. So we see that God takes something that we have used for bad and uses it for good in the redemption of the entire world. Now, again, you might be like, I don't understand what you're talking about yet. How is God in a city, in a garden, what does that mean in terms of redemption of the entire world? Well, uh, I've been listening to a podcast that's also been talking about kind of cities and their origin and what that means, particularly in Revelation chapter 21. And it's been, it's the Bible Project podcast, if you are interested in looking it up, it's super fun. And it talks about how it, the cities that we have designed across all of time generally are made to protect us. And kind of the earliest form of a city is a wall for keeping people out. And cities all across the Old Testament are places of violence, places of destruction and war. And in this final book of the Bible, God is showing us a new way. This new Jerusalem, it's a place where heaven and earth meet, where God's space and our space are united, where God's design of the garden meets human's design of the city, where the home of God or the tabernacle of God is not in some faraway place or only in a temple, but where the home of God is with God's people in the city that we co-labored with God to build. The entire image of the city and in the garden is filled with images of union. So now we are going to turn to chapter 21 in Revelation and see what these images might be. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them and they will be God's people and God will be with them and be their God. God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. In the scripture, we see the union of heaven and earth, the union of the land because there's no more sea or chaos. We see the union of the heavenly Jerusalem coming to meet the city here on earth. We see the union of God and God's people dwelling together in the same home once again. And the image that God uses is the um, image of a bride ready to be united in the marriage covenant. And Y'all, maybe it is just because it is wedding season again in our lives and every weekend over the last six weekends, I have been doing some kind of wedding related some something. But as I was reading this passage recently, this image of union really stood out to me in a different way than it has as I've read it kind of in the past. 
And uh, one of the weddings over the last couple weeks that I got to both be in and preside over was a wedding of my brother-in-law. It happened two weeks ago. So I mentioned this wedding several months ago. Maybe you're here for it. This is the one that there are four pastors presiding at the same wedding. And what I did not mention as I was talking about that the first time, just because it's all super complicated, is that my husband's brother, so my brother-in-law, was marrying my husband's best friend's little sister. I know, kind of confusing. But what you need to know is this made my husband and his best friend now sort of kind of related. It also meant that the entire guest list was made up of my husband's family and friends, along with his best friend's family and friends. And they have been besties and gone to school and church together from kindergarten through divinity school. So when their siblings got married, it just felt like a massive family reunion of so many different friends from different spheres of life. And again, to add to all of this, since Adam's best friend and his wife are also pastors, the four of us all presided at the weddings of our siblings slash in-laws. Again, I know it's super complicated, and yet I will probably never stop talking about this wedding because it just it felt so special and so significant in so many ways. And I am not a wedding crier. I'm a crier about a lot of things, but usually weddings, I can kind of keep it together. But y'all, let me tell you what, this wedding had me in tears all night at the beauty of the union that we got to bear witness to. Um, We celebrated their marriage. We celebrated the friends and the church community that they grew up in together that was all there. We celebrated the land that the couple has cultivated together over the last four years as they've been dating. Um, And perhaps most special of all, we also celebrated the home that they labored to renovate together with the help of family and friends over the last year, many of whom were also there as we celebrated their marriage. I'm sure you've been to these kinds of weddings where it just feels so special and so right, where it feels like each person in the marriage makes the other better and It is just a really beautiful and significant thing. And it is kind of the same image of union that the book of Revelation uses as it talks about God's ultimate desire for creation. This wedding imagery reminds us that what God is up to and what God desires for us is found in the image of a union. In this image of two things, being unified as one where everyone and everything are made better and more beautiful because of it. And I think it is super significant on a number of levels that this is the image that we find in the book of Revelation as we look at the culmination of all things. And before we kind of jump back to Revelation, I wanted to go back to the paradise line from when Jesus is on the cross and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because I got super intrigued about kind of the wordplay there with paradise also meaning Eden. And when I heard this connection on the Bible Project Bible Project podcast that I was listening to, I went off and did some more research on like where else is this word paradise used in scripture? And what I found just blew my mind. Like I read it on the computer screen and my mouth just like hung open and I was like, that cannot be true. I mean, it has to be true because it's so beautiful and uh, I just love it. So the word paradise, aka what God is inviting us into, is used throughout scripture to mean a city, to mean a garden, we get Eden again, to mean heaven, and to mean Hades or hell or the underworld, however 
kind of is translated in different ways. And this all means that when Jesus is naming paradise, he is naming the unity of all of these disparate things, cities, the Garden of Eden, heaven, and even Hades, which means that Jesus was not simply saying, you will be with me today in the Garden of Eden, but Jesus is saying, you will be with me at the reunion of all things, where the city and the garden and heaven and Hades and all things are united as one. He's saying today you will be with me at the place where there will be no more division, not just between people because we distort or diminish the image of God and one another, but there will be no more division between our space in the city and God's space in the garden, or even as far up as the heavens or even as far below as Hades, because all that has been fractured will be made whole and restored once again in this new creation. Humans and God, once again, will have the opportunity to dwell together face to face. Revelation 21, it shows us an image of what God's ultimate desire for restoration and wholeness look like for us. It shows what ultimate partnership with God and restoration of the image of God most fully looks like. And there is all kinds of imagery that depicts the significance of this union that we find at kind of the marriage supper of the Lamb as it's talked about in Revelation 21. And there is a detail that comes in uh, verse 5 that talks about how the city gates will never be shut. Actually, it might be verse 15, meaning that the city, which in humans' creation was made in order to keep people out, is no longer going to serve that function, but rather the gates will be made more beautiful because they are adorned with all kinds of jewels. I want you to, to hear some of this. This is talking about kind of the walls of the city. So again, something that once was used to keep people out. It says the wall is built of jasper, while the city is pure gold, clear as glass. The foundation of the walls of the city are adorned with every jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth christophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates and twelve pearls. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each of the gates is a single pearl, and the street of the city is pure gold, transparent as glass. Now, when I first read that, it meant nothing to me. I don't really know that much about jewels. Maybe you do. But I looked up these jewels because it's Revelation. So, of course, they're going to be significant in some way. And these jewels are red, orange, yellow, yellow-green, green, blue-green, blue purple, black, white, and gold. Y'all, these jewels that are adorned on the gates and the walls of the city literally form a rainbow, which is the symbol that God gave to us in Genesis that God is going to promise to covenant with us across time. Meaning the gates of the city that once kept people out are the very same gates that each time we look at these walls, we can be reminded that our God has kept God's promises to us. Our God has been faithful. Even when we've turned away, our God has been faithful. Friends, from the very first pages of scripture, we see that God created us and God loves us and desires to be in relationship with us. Even when we turn from God and try to do things on our own, in our own way and in our own power, God has been working since the beginning of time to make things right for us to be at one and whole and restored once again. And I hope if you hear nothing else from this series, that you hear, you are loved, you are loved, you 
loved. Our God is true to God's promises. Our God desires for each of us to know that we were created in God's image. And even when we can't see that in ourselves or when others can't see that in us, God is about the redemption of the world, of bringing together and unifying what is far off, of making us and our communities and our land whole once again, because our God is true to God's promises. And this union, the imagery used in Revelation is an image of a great banquet or a great feast because it is a celebration of a massive wedding banquet where all are invited to feast as honored guests at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I, again, really love weddings. And when people ask me, like, you know, hope do you get to do weddings often, I regularly will share that I have the gift of presiding at a lot of second weddings, particularly here in Fuquay. And there is something to me that just feels extra special about a second wedding, about choosing love and unity once again, choosing to covenant with another even after great loss or grief or heartache. And I can't help but feel the same kind of way about the wedding banquet that we see here in Revelation. Because despite our tendency to break our own covenant with God, to turn from God, to think that maybe like, we can do better on our own, despite our tendency to take the good gifts that God has given us, to squander them and to make cities that glorify our own power and wealth and are used to exclude people, despite our tendency to distort the image of God and one another, God continues to choose to be faithful to us to the very end. God continues to covenant with us to break down every barrier such that if we desire to be at one with God, that there is a garden ready and cultivated for us. There's a stream, the river of life that runs through the city so that we will never be thirsty. And God has prepared this home for us to be with God and one another, to be unified, whole, restored, both individually and collectively once again. Now, I don't know where in your life feels like it's lacking unity or where in your life it feels like it is far off and can never be restored. I don't know what in your life might be consuming you or even distorting the image of God or what feels like death more than life more abundantly. I don't know what has been or is distorting how you see God in yourself or in those around you. But I do know that our God desires to be united with us once again, even in our messiest and hardest of days. God loves us so deeply that God has chosen to say yes, and in that yes, we find the greatest celebration of union that we might ever know, where we get to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb, the great wedding banquet in paradise, this new Eden, where the heavens and the earth and everything under the earth and the cities and the garden and all of creation might be restored once again where even the gates that once kept people out are now the very same gates that are adorned as entryways of invitation, beaming God's covenant promises to us, reminding us of God's faithful love. Friends, as we celebrate this union that God promises for us, my hope is that we can remember today that this is not simply God's story, but this is our story a story that since the beginning of time, God has been committed to us as God's beloved children, knowing that we are all created in God's image. So even on the hardest of days, might we be reminded that this is the God that we worship. We are invited with this same God to celebrate all things being made whole and being made one. And this is the same God 
whose breath is in our lungs, that we are invited day after day to co-labor with, such that at the reunion of all things, it is not simply something God is doing, but it's something that God continues to invite us to do with God, because God has been faithful to us all along. Friends, may it be so. Amen. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org, to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquaverina area. Um, fvumc.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquaverina United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.